it is fifth element. Love. Love. It was love the whole uh, time. Yes. No, I distinctly heard he said to blave. And as we all know, to blave means to bluff. Um, is this a fifth element reference? You rush a miracle, man. You get bad miracles. Welcome to Think Outside the Box Set. It's a podcast about learning to appreciate an artist's back catalog. I'm Nathan Hunt. And I'm Cameron DeWitt. And Cameron, it's finally here. The day we've been waiting for, for so yeah, long. We, the, the day we decide to randomly stop talking about Garth Brooks <laughs> and talk about this other rock star just for an episode. Yeah. Just take a little break. <laughs> but only talk about his greatest hits album. We don't want to stay off of Garth for too long. No, it's a real break from the form yes. for us. Yeah. It's just a, a nice little diversion, a little side road. Yeah. So tell me about Chris Gaines. Who is this mysterious masked man? Uh, so um, <laughs> there's a VH1 behind the music all about him. Um, and in the interviews, he is a uh, he is a, a middle-aged man uh, with uh, jet black uh, hair, like dyed hair, covering his eyes, and maybe some mascara. Some real good soul patch little, action going on, too. A little soul patch. Uh, if I remember right, a very triangular soul patch. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's just, like, really moody. He's a very emotional uh, artist, um, and he just has a lot of feels. He really does. And to spoil the whole surprise, I'm sure our listeners have been fooled up to this point, but guess what, Cameron? In case you didn't know, Chris Gaines is really Garth Brooks wearing a wig. Oh. Yeah, and that's why we're talking about him. That explains why you insisted on covering this album. (laughs) Yeah, and it had to be now. Um. So I have a lot to say about Chris Gaines as a person, as an idea, but let's let's do a few <laughs> things before we get to that. Let's um, great do a tiny little bit of follow up, and I want to address a tweet from our friend Sean Hudson at Sean underscore sh one, and this is our first okay. uh, listener feedback that's not from someone that we personally know. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, so he he tweeted at us. Um, so shout out to Sean here. And he said, the night I called the old man out is talking about when the sons challenged their dad to a fight. Not every argument. Mm. It, well, I think he might be onto something, Cameron, because I looked at the lyrics and I think it's a little more ambiguous than we gave it credit for. But if you were to take that interpretation, you'd really have to, it would have to hinge on an interpretation or a meaning of the phrase calling someone out that right wouldn't be just uh how would you describe that phrase like uh pointing out their errors i, I guess. see i see yeah so he's I, I think uh for that interpretation calling someone out would have to mean literally like challenging them to a fight all right i wonder what garth or whoever wrote that song meant when they when they wrote that because yeah. i've never heard calling someone out ever as being uh challenging someone to a fight yeah, I wonder. There's not a Wikipedia page devoted to that song, is there? No. Hmm. 
yeah, the uh, the fan community is uh, isn't particularly organized for Garth Brooks in terms of like talking about Garth Brooks canon and lore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Cameron, you know what that's going to make me do? That's going to make what? me resort to songmeanings.com. Oh, good. <laughs> Let me see if the if uh, let's see who agrees with Sean and who agrees with ah. There's only one comment. Well, Harder Man sixty one writes on February eighteenth, two thousand eleven. It's about an obviously dysfunctional family where the father abuses his sons. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and that has a plus. Obviously. It has a plus one for voting. So, I don't know, Sean. I I might have to stick yeah. with my original interpretation. I I see your point, and I I, uh, I concede that it's a little more ambiguous, maybe than how certain we were talking about it. But I think yeah. I st- have to stick by my original interpretation. But thank you for writing yep. us, and continue to do so. We welcome yeah, listener we'll feedback. Shoot you down. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> I really want to uh, encourage an antagonistic relationship with our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> it gives me a real power trip. Oh, uh, yeah. That sounds great. We're heard by tens of people. <laughs> and you the can't world talk over. back to us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, seriously, though. Uh, yeah, please please write in, um, especially if you, for corrections, uh, because you might point something out that we actually do agree with. Yeah, or that we miss. Even though we are now Garth Brooks experts. I'm starting to feel like one, Cameron. I've I've read more about Garth Brooks and listened to more of Garth Brooks's music than probably a lot of people. I yeah. Like yeah. this level of intention, I mean, we'll see. I yeah. Don't I don't know how many other people are doing close readings of Garth Brooks songs. <laughs> I mean, may, maybe I yeah. I don't know. What do I know? I just work here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you want to tell work here at, think outside the box. Yeah. Set. Uh, you want to tell me about what happened in 19... Is it 1999? Yeah, 99. Uh, I just I wrote a couple of things. I think we like it was that I, year. Yeah. <laughs> but it was 2000, uh, which is like, what is that? 200,000? Doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> I only wrote a couple things. Uh, I think I'm done Euro interrupting you now, created. so you can go ahead and talk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or maybe I, I I'm not. I don't know. It's hard thing. to say. What did you okay. say? Um, for some reason, uh, you're cutting out a little bit. Oh, that's just because I was so, yeah. cutting cutting. That's you why off. I'm like being silent. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were okay. going along with the excellent goof that I was doing. No, sorry. Okay, I was just like, what is he saying? Okay. Oh. Uh, so in 1999, uh, the euro is created. Um, do you have anything to say about that? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Got- okay. <laughs> Well, now we're referencing something that we're going to cut out of the episode. <laughs> that dog won't hunt, Monsignor. We can't do that. Uh, it's pronounced Euro, not Hero, yeah. or um, Gyro. Um, that, was the, that was the joke I made in the, about the earlier take yeah. of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then we did the whole thing again. Yeah. We thought we could do better. Yeah. Uh so the euro is created. Uh, Bill Clinton is acquitted in his uh, impeachment trial. Um, I don't. I didn't bother looking up all the details of that, but basically, uh, I'm guessing it had something to do with Monica Lewinsky and then him lying about it. 
and saying uh, awesome quotables like um, depends on what your definition of is is. Okay, he gets a lot of shit for that, but he kind of has a point. I mean, he's a he's right. a he's got like a legal background. I think that's a very lawyerly thing to say because right. he's pointing out the distinction in English between uh, is as in present tense, as in engaging in it right now, or or is meaning um, now or at any time in the past. Right. So he right. So he, he kind of had a point. He's still being a motherfucker, but he's no. He's been an intern but, fucker, but a smart one. Yeah. Well, not <laughs> even fucker, just oral sexer. <laughs> I don't know. Depends on what your definition of intern fucker is. Mm-hmm. That's where cigars thing. involved. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, the Columbine shooting. Ooh. I don't have anything. I I workshop this a lot. I don't have anything funny to say about that. <laughs> You don't have a tight five? No. Uh, man. VH1, Behind the Music, Chris Gaines. You watched some of it. I watched some of it. Uh, what were your impressions? Well, Cameron, I think I think first I want to take a step backwards and okay. say, give a few general thoughts about this whole ill-advised project. Um, yeah. One is that there are a few more earworms this time, I think. Like, sure. I think th- these songs have been a little bit more memorable and catchy in certain ways than some of Garth's more recent country albums, quote unquote. Um, but on the other hand, the songs themselves are, I mean, they're, they're like catchy and in that way memorable, but in all other ways, they're very forgettable. <laughs> if that makes they're sense. Very fl- they're very fluffy. Yeah. They're very the most generic. Part. And I think... Yeah. These songs are much less interesting than just discussing the idea of Chris Gaines. And right. I want to backfill our audience a little bit on the idea of Chris Gaines, the Gaines persona, the GP for short. Uh, initially, he planned to feature Chris Gaines as a person in a movie called The Lamb. And I think the plot of The Lamb was supposed to be that somebody killed Chris Gaines and they were like trying to solve the murder. What? Um, that's what somebody on like some website wrote, but I don't know if that's actually true. That's hilarious. Yeah. So uh, with ev- a, with a truck. Yeah. Yes. But even though I think Garth actually wrote the screenplay, but even though it was just in screenplay form, there was it wasn't even in like production or anything. Uh, he decided he was going to create buzz for the project by taking on the identity of Chris Gaines in this album. It's okay. Right. Let me tell you, it was released in October 1999. That date is going to be important later on. And this, okay, this album was featured under two different titles. If you credit it as a Chris Gaines album, it's, I think it's called The Greatest Hits. But right. if you sell it as a Garth Brooks album, it's Garth Brooks in colon, The Life of Chris ellipses. Gaines. Isn't it ellipses? Oh, fuck, you're right. Ah, God damn it. You got a real it's ellipses. a sideways colon with a period. Yeah. <laughs> I just uh, no. There's two. There's two ellipses in the album art. No, really. Garth, yeah, Six it says Garth dots? Brooks all lo- all lowercase in ellipses. At that's at the top, and then at the bottom, ellipses. The life of Chris Gaines. Oh no. <laughs> oh man, Cameron. We can't. They it can't keep getting away with it. <laughs> it's very bad. Um, wait, I'm looking at the album art and it just says Chris Gaines greatest hits. Oh, there it is. You see it? Yeah, I see it. Two ellipses. Oh my God. Yeah. 
Man, he's got two ellipses in his colon. Okay. Look at those big old kissable ellipses. <laughs> well said. Okay, so... Smoldering eyes. Yeah. Hidden behind his hair. Um, <laughs> this album was a huge flop. Um, yeah. It, <laughs> Wikipedia says... A belly flop. Yes. Wikipedia says the lack of success of the Chris Gaines experiment became fairly evident mere weeks after the album was released. The album received mixed reviews and fan response was often bewilderment. <laughs> uh, although the album made I it on, to number two on the Billboard 200, expectations had been higher and retail stores began heavily discounting their oversupply. Oh, and Garth. then, and then uh, the the movie was like nothing kept going on in the movie. Um, yeah. So before we talk about the Chris Gaines persona, I want to talk a little bit about Garth at this time in his Great. life. This is. October 1999. So one year after the release of the Chris Gaines album, which is October around, I think it's October 2000, Garth announces his retirement and he had talked about retiring for a while. Yeah. He had like mentioned it a few times on talk shows, like, you know, over the years in like 1995 or 97 or something, he had like, you know, talked about it. Uh, But there is some speculation that the whole Gaines failure, the GF pushed him more towards retirement oh yeah hmm. okay Buddy. so that's yeah i know poor garf uh he comes back out of retirement though um yeah he sure does yeah six months before the release of the Gaines album in march 1999 garth and his wife separated they were high school sweethearts they had two kids and they ended up announcing a divorce a few weeks before Garth announces his retirement in October of, or maybe it was, um, September 2000. Uh, it's, it's the year after gains in one AG, um, (laughs) anno gains, I think is, is what it means in Latin. Um, but this is also around the time that Garth tried out his unsuccessful baseball career. Oh my God, Garth, what's going on? Are you okay? He's super restless Got that millennium blues he really does i mean is this his um yeah. midlife crisis would you say it's gotta yeah, be right definitely definitely yeah okay how, how old how old is he at this point good question i will look that up i feel like i feel like he's only in his like early 50s right now yeah he's not he might not even old. be that old he was born in 1962 he's 55 years old right now Okay. So he would have been, fuck, what is math? 20. Nope. Hang on. <laughs> he was like his early 30s. Right. So not midlife crisis, but his he had he had sort of reached a fame crisis. Oh, not early 30s, later 30s. He's almost 40. Sorry. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So, I have a lot to say about the Gaines persona, but I feel like I've been monopolizing the mic. So tell me what you think. All right. Well, so from what I can tell from just from the music uh, mm-hmm. in the life of Chris Gaines, what happens in the life of Chris Gaines is he gets uh, dumped a lot um, and he has a lot of sort of feelings about he has a lot of romantic feelings about people that he has trouble articulating. Yeah, uh, specifically. And uh, that's sort of sums him up. 
Yeah. I mean, both of those things are really, really funny in light of the first five minutes of the VH1 behind the music where he's constantly <laughs> talking about how much he loves sex and how he's fucking women nonstop. Yeah, the first thing they say in the VH1 is that he is a sex addict and that he had to get help. Yeah. <laughs> I think Garth's projecting he liked a little so bit. so much that it was a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, def- it, defi- it definitely seems like uh, a weird brag as opposed to like some sort of call to action or for like call for awareness of sex addiction. Yes. This is years sort before the, the, the word humble brag was... Uh, coin right but still um that's also really funny in light of an interview i watched with garf i think post gains it's probably from year one or year two ag anno gains anno gains um it was it's really funny i'll drop a link in the show notes but he 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 says he gets this question constantly what's it like to play two different characters and i thought oh this is going to get interesting because he's, he's going to address the uh, idea of Garth Brooks as a persona and how like he himself personally interacts with his stage presence and like what that means to sing these songs often from a first person perspective, although they're not, they're story songs about other people, but nope. (laughs) He says he's only playing one character. Garth is him. But okay. then he says that the closer you look at Gaines, the more you realize it is Garth Brooks. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's strange, especially considering it's, like the... It's not, it's not though. It, yeah, that's the thing. It's not at all. It's just a, a rock star. Yeah. Oh, the a, other... <laughs> a pastiche of a rock star. Yes. The other thing that he says... This is hilarious. He mentions that it's really hard for him to play a sexy rock star when he's 220 pounds. Uh, (laughs) This is my favorite part of the interview. He says in the photos it's easy because he's sucking his cheeks in. But, quote, this is verbatim, as soon as you start singing, those big old cheeks come out again. (laughs) Oh, Garth. Right? That's so precious. I love that. I know. I love that he talks about himself that way. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. He 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 has no like and by illusions. himself I mean Chris. <laughs> yes. They're the same. Camera the more the closer you look, you see that they're the same. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um one important can, can thing I to t- say a, No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm monopolizing okay. again. A couple more couple more things in the VH1. Uh something that like it was kind of a red flag for me. So like in in his backstory, there's this whole thing about uh, Chris Gaines' first band, which was Crush. Um, yeah. So Chris, uh, he was born in Australia, but he moved to L.A. when he was five. Yeah. So unfortunately, we don't get to hear Garth Brooks attempt an Australian yeah. accent. I was really looking oh. forward to that. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, just just uh, L- his impression of an L.A. accent, or yeah. I guess. I guess. Um, uh, which is basically that Saturday Night Live sketch. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> about the soap opera yeah yeah the californians um anyway so his first band that he was in as a teenager he got signed dropped out of high school uh as a three-person like uh you know kind of pop rock band kind of like hollow notes-esque kind of like vibe um you know softer rock but like pop mm-hmm. stuff anyway so like his main partner 
was uh, Tommy Levitch, uh, Levitch, not Levitch, uh, Tommy Levitz, um, who is this like super young, uh, very attractive uh, uh, black ma- uh, man. Is that just a, um, a thinly like veiled Lenny Kravitz type? I mean, I. <laughs> it's hard to not <laughs> draw that comparison. I mean, just the name like makes me think of Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, it does. So anyway... Uh, basically what happens is they make an album and then uh, they do this like 50 shows in 50. This is all in the story. Uh, 50, 50 yeah. shows in 50 states uh, in 50 nights. Um, so like a different state Yikes. every night and they do this. And so um, uh, Tommy Levitz is a pilot. Um, and so he, in order to get to this show in Dallas, um, he flies and, and Chris says, don't fly overnight just come in the morning like because chris knows so much about flying like because uh-huh. it's dangerous don't fly at nighttime i guess thanks chris <laughs> and uh tommy it's tommy, impossible. tommy decides to fly his cessna with his friend overnight to dallas and he crashes in new mexico and dies uh at the age of 19 and uh and then it cuts to <laughs> to chris going he promised he promised he wouldn't <laughs> What? Like he's like he's just pissed at him. Like he, they made this story like and like ultimately like Tommy is like the bad guy because he did a dumb thing and like flew and Chris knew better. Uh, so the thing that's a little bothersome to me is the idea. I feel like I feel like whoever like cast this mockumentary is basically, or I don't know to what extent Garth was. Uh, involved in the casting or making of this mockumentary, but Mm -hmm. I mean, he's interviewed in it constantly, but someone else plays a younger version of him and like the old tapes and stuff. But like it, it kind of bothered me. It felt like he was trying to appear like he, like he doesn't just have white friends um, like Mm. this character, but he, this, this non white male uh, friend, um, just kind of conveniently dies and just sort of serves mm. serves as this like um as this uh, plot element to Chris's story yeah. and that yeah. like really rubbed me the wrong way and then like later on um like uh Chris's like current girlfriend is this like very attractive like uh black woman and uh cuz I skimmed through the thing and I was just like oh man this really rubs me the wrong way not that like I I because <laughs> you're opposed to interracial mis- dating, right? Yeah. What is miscegenation? Miscegenation. I, I, I don't know how it's pronounced, but I think yeah. it's miscegenation. Uh, yeah, it felt like it really rubbed me the wrong way, and I felt very suspicious of <laughs> tokenism. Yeah, of tokenism, and especially that, especially because of that line, he promised he wouldn't fly at night. <laughs> like, <laughs> just. <laughs> Like I was so much smarter than him. If only he had yeah. listened to me. Uh, and then uh, one more thing in the original album art for Crush, um, Chris is uh, has his hands in his pockets in a way that has his middle fingers pointed out, like he's given the bird. And then like oh, this like, rock journalist is like, yeah, he totally did it on purpose. And then it cuts to Chris. <laughs> and he's like, I guess, you know, I wasn't flipping the bird to like my audience as much as to the system like we're gonna do this our way oh god (laughs) wow really fights the man i guess yeah and then at some other point i guess he gets his face disfigured in a car crash 
That's the most hilarious part of it for me because, (laughs) okay, he he brags that he, in order to, uh, the the actor he got to play the young Chris Gaines is the same actor who played the young Brad Pitt in Seven Years in Tibet. (laughs) So he brags about that. And the fiction of this is that Gaines was in a car wreck and then after the car wreck, he had reconstructive surgery so that he now looks like Garth Brooks and he also gained some weight after the surgery. Right. (laughs) <laughs> that's what's supposed to be going on that's supposed I mean, to be I, funny right <laughs> i i it's really hard to say Cameron. i mean it's, it's really, really funny. hard to say it it is hilarious <laughs> and it's it's kind of a a fun conceit to get around the idea of having to come up with like archival footage of garth from yeah. 1985 or something yeah <laughs> yeah um let's see uh okay i have just a few more things to say i think it's it's worthwhile to talk about richard bachman at this point do you know who richard bachman uh, is? yeah i've never yeah. read any of That's his books some... but yes yeah richard bachman is a gnome de plume that stephen king published under and it's it's in some ways a similar idea uh but right. with different um, goals, I think, and a lot more success. Isn't the idea that like Richard Bachman was uh, like um, Stephen King without any moralism or something? Um, I don't know about that. I didn't come across any of that. But, I've heard people describe uh, he, it that way. I see. I don't know if I've come across a lot of moralism in the Stephen King books I've read. Really? Um, Interesting. Yeah. Maybe. I, Maybe okay. I just miss it. I don't we'll know. St- in season two, when we when we read all of Stephen King's novels, that's going to be our other podcast. Yeah, Stephen King Book Club. Yeah, um, one, one book an episode, so, but, one book a week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So he had some more uh, mundane goals for Richard Bachman that I read about. Um, that he wanted to release more than one book a year, starting in like the mid to late seventies. The publishers didn't want to let him do that. And he was just writing like huh. a madman, because that's what Stephen King does. Right. And uh, Wikipedia says, in his introduction to the Bachman books, King states that his adopting the gnome de plume Bachman was also an attempt to make sense out of his career and to try to answer the question of whether his success was due to talent or luck. Right. He says he deliberately released the Bachman novels with as little marketing presence as possible and did his best to, quote, load the dice against Bachman. And King concludes that he has yet to find an answer to the talent versus luck question as he felt he was outed as Bachman too early to Uh, know. However, he was outed eight years after the release of the first Bachman book. Right. So I don't I don't know if that's too early. Right. Interesting. He definitely sold a lot more of them books after they were re-released under his name. That's for sure. Yeah. That's okay. That, that's a lot more compelling. I trust Stephen King a lot more as an artist. Yeah, I I do too. Okay, I have one final, final, final thing to say about. Well, hurry Chris up because I but, can't wait to talk about these interesting uh, songs. <laughs> okay. Uh, the most interesting thing about Gaines is how uninteresting the whole enterprise is. Yeah, it's a hundred percent rock star cliche. It's like Spinal Tap without as much humor or exaggeration. Right. It's, it's kind of difficult to say how much humor Garth is bringing to it uh, during the time. I think looking back on it, he has sort of a sense of humor about it. But 
as near as I can tell, I think Garth wanted to play the archetypal rock star, but he didn't want to say anything about it. It's pretty much completely commentary free. It's not a parody or a satire in any way. It's just a very straightforward, generic rock star. Right. And it's the same way he part of treats all of his songs. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to, I was going to say, um, (laughs) no, I'm not not scolding you. (laughs) No, I'm not scold. I'm not scolding you. I'm trying to, I said it first (laughs) build off on it. Okay. (laughs) No, but I had, I had the same thought that we've heard him be a chameleon before. He's played Aerosmith songs. He's done Billy Joel songs. He's written quasi or, at least participated in writing and singing quasi Elton John ballads, Cajun music, Newgrass. And I think he, part of the reason he ends up being a generic rock star is he can't decide what kind of rock star he wants to be. Right. So he imitates Stevie wonder, R and B, the wallflowers, even some butt rock and Beatles. And so because of that, Garth has inspired me because the, the songs are pretty generic I think the most interesting thing we can do with these songs is play a little game I like to call Spot the Imitation. Right. So I think as we get, I think most of these songs well, are pretty much. you made this game, so you're going to win. <laughs> yes, I will. That's why it's a good game. Um, yeah. I think these songs are pretty much like one to one. Sure. Imitations. So, and oh, 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 sorry. There's one more thing about this album. Well, I can't wait, though. (sighs) For these good, good songs. Um, (laughs) This album, because it's greatest hits, it's it's meant to be from all over the stages of Gaines' career. Right. Um, And and you can hear some of that. Uh, They're not really in chronological order, though, unless perhaps... They're in reverse chronological order because his uh, songs that were supposedly... Yeah, the songs that are supposedly from his first band, Crush, are at the end of the album. Um, right. But right now, I think, is one of his more recent songs. Oh, So that yeah, should be you may towards be right. the top, but that's yeah. in the middle of the album. So Yeah, and I I don't think the, the, their commitment to anachronism is very solid. Uh, because, yeah. for one thing, the production pretty much always sounds like 1999. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for one thing. Okay, so with that in mind playing spot the imitation and remembering that these songs are meant to be from different time periods in his career, different years. Let's talk about the first song, Cameron. That's the way I remember it. Tell me about it. Synopsize. Okay. So, um, basically, I'm just going to assume that all of these songs are literally about Chris, if if it's in first person. So, um, Chris, Why not? Uh, some, somewhat, like, kind of willfully curates the details of a failed relationship uh, with an ex to be a kind of sweet, positive, uh, life-affirming experience. Um, and in the song... He sort of talks about like, eh, I I acknowledge that maybe it wasn't all all roses, but um, uh, maybe there were some more thorns. But I'm going to choose to remember the positive aspects of it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's the whole song. Not yeah. a story song. That's just the whole thing. Uh, some uh, I'll read a couple lyrics. Uh, they're 
super generic. It's only natural with time. Details can somehow slip your mind. Something so sweet, though incomplete, you fill the spaces in between. It's a blah, 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 blah. Uh, that's he the doesn't way sing I blah, 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 blah. That's Cameron yeah. editorializing. Okay. From, uh, I remember it that way. From the day I was living there, I remember it that way. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's basically it. The, um, uh, I really don't have anything else to say about the, the lyrics. I have some musical observations. Hmm. I think this um, is lyrically one of the stronger songs on the album. You say it's pretty sure. generic, but there, there are some good moments. Uh, he has that okay. verse. Yeah. What do you like? It, it will never be that way again. Maybe it wasn't way back when to my heart and soul. This is the way the story has to be told. Um, I, I think it's kind of interesting to write a song about somebody who's like willfully deciding to just go down the nostalgia path and like acknowledge right. it's multiple very times. Yeah. It's like very self-aware. Like, yeah, this probably isn't how it really was, but this is how I want to remember it essentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mostly don't care, but uh Yeah. There's one kind of dumb lyric, um or at least it's worded in a dumb way, uh, which is Guess now if the truth were known among diamonds there were stones. Mm. <laughs> uh I mo- I <laughs> it goes like, the other way around, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I I mostly like I mostly just like guess now if the truth were known. Like the way that's worded is super clunky and weird to me. It's very so. passive voice. If it were known, among diamonds there were stones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that still sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To have like a shitload of diamonds you and like a, a stone in here my diamonds, there. you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's some very dated late 90s production. Especially in the percussion. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I thought that, musically re- that percussion reminded me a lot of um, uh, "Will You Be There" from uh, MJ, Michael Jackson. Oh really? I think it sounded really similar. I thought you were going to say Michael Jordan. From Michael Jordan, "Will You Be There," MJ, on the baseball diamond. Um, yeah, this is one of the ones that kind of like recurs is getting stuck in my head though. Even though it's musically kind of boring, Just like. So bad. Yeah. Um do you want to do you want to spot the imitation? So I I heard that um the introduction kind of reminds me of Elliot Smith a little bit. Really? Um, there there's a there's actually a fair amount of Elliot Smith kind of moments in this. I do not know when Elliot Smith was active. Um but there's some and and I don't know if I think he was if, just getting started, so I think he might just be reflecting the zeitgeist. Right. Yeah. Maybe Elliot Smith was just like the production of acoustic guitar and the arrangement of it. Um, yeah. It's there's sort of this fake out beginning, and there's a bunch of fake out beginnings to these songs. Then it's like, oh, there's the generic, and then like the oh. the the pop percussion, you know, kind of or R&B percussion kind of makes its way in, and then you're like, okay, this is... It kind of gets interesting, and then it's like, ah, all right. (laughs) Okay, it looks like Elliot Smith kind of attained a a pretty high profile after one of his songs was featured in Goodwill Hunting in 97, so... Oh, there you go. uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah, there were a fair amount of Elliot Smith moments, especially at the very end of the album, Um, but those, those moments were a lot more like Elliot Smith channeling the Beatles, 
Yeah. Anyway, so like I don't want to get ahead of myself, but yeah, I heard some MJ in there with the percussion. Um, I, as far as the actual like melody of the song or the the rest of the elements of the of the music, I I don't really know. I don't have any comparisons to draw to. Yeah, I mostly just heard boy bands. Yeah, I'm a lot sure of there's like band. a specific band we could point to if we were better versed in that music. Like 98 degrees or something. Oh, that's a pretty good poll. Yeah, I think so. It, it it sounds like a track that's in the middle or in the or on a B side, you know. Yeah. In quotes, B side like of a not, like one a of not these. Very good. A not single. A not <laughs> yeah. single in a boy band album. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the next song. This one's called "Lost in You." And synopsis, it's a love song, and it's about some dude who's fucked tons of women, and he's finally found true love. That old saw. And that's pretty much all there is to it. Um... Yeah, the feel the feeling is so new that he that he feels about this person. He uh, th- that he he's just totally lost in this person. It's so new. He has he doesn't understand his feelings. Uh, he even says there's something about you. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some truly truly terrible generic lyrics here. Uh. Yeah. You are my godsend that I have been forever dreaming of, my angel from above. Ugh. Well, a lot of Easter eggs in there. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, uh, <laughs> I think I've read that written in uh, middle schoolers' mead notebooks. Pretty sure right. they've all independently and re- written And also in, in all Garth Brooks songs. Well, he usually doesn't, <sighs> yeah, maybe. He usually he gets a little more specific. Forever dreaming of. Yeah, and he talks about praying for women to fall in love with him, and uh, and this is a cow, uh, cowboys and angels. <laughs> I guess, but but usually he has this person is an angel. He has better lyrics. I mean, these That's are true. they're they're much more grounded. This one's just like so generic and vague. Um, oh yeah, I think spot the imitation. I think nineties R and B. So much boys to men. So much boys to men. At the at the at the end, there's like this. You know, it really specifically sounds like it's like it's black men singing. Like he hired um, some R and B singers. Oh, he to totally sing this did. Song. Yeah, he he's actually um, working with totally different musicians than he usually does. Interesting. Yeah, I, which all the same writers. Yeah, all the same writers. But he commits the bit when it comes to the musicians. Yeah, uh, they sound great. They do. Like. I love the singing in this. Yeah. I love all of the non... You know, I do like how Chris sings most of the time. Yeah. I have something to say about uh, that in the next song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, but I love the boys to men moments in There's this. some really good falsetto. It's very, it's lovely. Um, I, yeah. I, I like the line, I've played every field and it shows. I think that's kind of good because it, it just makes me imagine some like horrifically just like uh mutilated like syphilis riddled like shambling <laughs> hunchback or something 
Yeah, it shows on these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah. Oh, there's like a, a 90s yeah, R&B it, key it, change it, for like <laughs> half of one line. That was pretty cute. Uh-huh. That was all right. Yeah. He I like the I like the lyric, uh, but there's something about you when you're around. <laughs> I know that's not but the line break makes it seem like that's what it is. It's actually when you're around, baby I found I get lost in a wonderful days. Yeah. But I like to read it, but there's something about you when you're around. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's um I had something else to say about the music of Are this sure? one. Oh, there's some there's there's some spicy Latin rhythms in here. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. And when I say spicy Latin rhythms, I mean a sort of vague pop appropriation of Latin rhythms, like you hear in boy band songs in the '90s. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Next song is called "Snow in July." Tell me about the synopsis of this one. Okay, so uh, Chris gets broken up with again. <laughs> uh, and um, this time, uh, it happens in the summertime. And this happens to be a particularly hot summer uh, when they're in the, in the, in the peak uh, of, of their romance. And then all of a sudden, it gets real icy and cold. Aww. Fire turning into ice. Uh, and... Who is snowing in July? How could it snow in July? Well, because it's Christmas in Basically, July. Okay. <laughs> right? Um, ba- yes. That's why. <laughs> it's because <laughs> because of that, because of savings. <laughs> Sleigh bells ring. Um, Are you listening? In uh, the yeah. lane. July's Don't dump me. Listening. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, it's cold outside because you dumped me. <laughs> um... Yeah, that's the whole that's the whole de- device of the song is that like spends a lot of time just being like, but it's so hot outside. But your 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 demeanor and behavior is so cold. You're as cold as How, ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. Ice. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some really funny moments though. Uh, <laughs> in the first couple stanzas, uh, I'm just gonna read the first couple stanzas. Love was burning like the summer. We were lost in one another, holding on, holding on. We could not escape the heat. Love was dangerous, but sweet, and it was strong. Now you're talking... Here's the funny part. Now you're talking about your freedom. What is that you say? (laughs) Uh, You suddenly declared to me your Independence Day. Caught (laughs) me by surprise. That's a funny joke. That's like a Garth uh, line It is kind of, but it's also weird how it, it sort of casts Independence Day as a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. So he's Great Britain. Yes. Chris is Great Britain. He's King George. Yeah. He threw all his tea in the harbor. Or sorry, harbor. Oh. Uh, oh, America, you so cold. Yeah. It's so hot outside, but all I feel is cold because you left me. Oh, it's wicked hot. I might get you back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I The vocals in this song, he's got his Garth ticks in full display. He's got his extraneous N's oh, yeah. and M's. Um, and it, it shows up here, there throughout the album, but it's most apparent in this song, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Lots of Stevie Wonder spot spot the imitation. That's spot Stevie the imitation. Stevie Wonder all over it. It is a hundred percent superstition era Stevie Wonder. Yeah, like, all the clavinet. Yes, exactly. Actually, there, there actually there's only one clavinet part. Uh, I believe in superstition and higher ground. There's like four or five clavinet parts. There's only one in here, so it's not quite up to Stevie's game. Yeah, uh, but but very much Stevie Wonder pastiche. Exactly. It's it's one and of the more direct bad. ones. Yeah, it's not. It's I mean, not bad. I like it. Yeah, I mean, the metaphor doesn't really work for me. Um, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I like the effort. I like the yeah. effort of these songs that are trying too hard. They're cute to me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sure. It's like Garth giving me a little wink. It's like I'm st- I'm still Garth. Yeah, still Garth. <laughs> I'm in, uh, under here under the under these bangs <laughs> <laughs> under this soul patch. Yeah. All right. Next song uh, is called "Drifting Away." But I'm so afraid that you've forgiven me one too many times, and I'm so afraid to give my heart again just to have a change of mind, and I'm not quite sure that you trust me. Um, this is kind of an interesting conceit. The singer doesn't trust himself. There are the lines, but I'm yeah. so afraid that you've forgiven me one too many times, and I'm so afraid to give my heart again just to have a change of mind. So yeah. the singer, uh, maybe this is like his song about dealing with sex addiction, where he's right. he's sort of like fighting with these these demons of you know do, ending up doing things he doesn't want to be doing. Um, so I, you don't often hear a pop song. About I, could, that. I could kind of see that because like the first couplet is with all of my heart, I know I could love you, but with all of my soul, I'm drifting away. That's an interesting dichotomy that you don't hear a lot. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I have like a soul problem because I have a sex addiction. I think he's talking about like, a soul I patch can't. actually. Yeah. <laughs> with all of my with soul patch, my soul I'm drifting away. <laughs> Oh, that old wind. Yeah. With all my mind, I know you could save me from myself and anything else. Yeah. Yeah, maybe this yep. is... Uh, maybe th- these are some of the best lyrics of the album. Meh. Oh, I maybe love... Maybe make it okay. I love that the chorus is, it blows and nobody knows where it's going to. <laughs> <laughs> he can't have been unaware of that double meaning, right? dude it blows sorry lady i don't know if i can help myself it blows i mean he's yeah. he's he's sort of like referencing a, a wind a baby like the right. wind drifting away uh it's blowing you and me <laughs> yes it's blowing peace and freedom it's blowing you and me guess it's just the way of the girl <laughs> does that mean you're da, 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 da. i don't know do you want to move on no i'm, I'm good the next i don't really have anything more okay we got we got to breeze through these yeah it blows uh, wave wave the girl Just 
So basically, this is a song about being witless and helpless in your infatuation with a woman. Um, you just like, just totally, um, totally under this this woman's spell, and um, it's sort of this like worship of like mysterious womanhood that you can't explain or really control and that's uh that's the whole song mm-hmm. uh starts with some really silly synth strings yeah uh, <laughs> it's they, they sound silly. terrible you know i they kind of grow on me for a bit because then it's like okay this is like a an intentional sound it's not supposed to sound like actual strings it's supposed yeah. to sound like r&b yeah, or I something guess. and i kind of like it and then there's some kind of cool um crunchy uh crunchy synth or guitar or something on there that I like pretty well for you pursuer and mazes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Cameron's, I think there's like a bunch. Yeah. There's no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say spot the imitation. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I was thinking I have not something almost nothing. like Prince. Uh, cause it has that really great funk guitar work. Um, but it also has like a pretty poppy sensibility and the chorus is like more pop than funk. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, I haven't listened to a lot of Prince, but it's not as anthemic tracks with my ideas about. Right. Yeah. It's not as anthemic as Prince often gets. Um, there's some weird. Hey, shouts throughout the song. Hey, hey, yeah. hey. hey. Oh, and hey. there's uh <laughs> It's just the way of the girl, just the way of the girl, just the way it is. Can't help it. Oh, my God. That's super funny. Um, There's a lot of, like, little whispers in this <laughs> in this album. <laughs> there is, yeah. So sexy. Um, uh, he, has a, he has a verse. Some made it for money and some made it for love. Some made it for romance. My baby's all of the above. Um, which yeah. is, it's it's kind of a fun little, uh, little play. Yeah, so yeah. other than that... Uh, so women are like incomprehensible and you just got to like, you just at their mercy. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, obviously they can't be reasoned. They're with. not human. I mean, we can, we can all agree on that. Right. <laughs> <They're> guys. <angels. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next song is called unsigned letter. And I'm gonna begin by playing spot the imitation. Actually, let me let me know what you think about this one. I wonder if you know the band that I'm thinking of. I I don't know. It sounds like Jumper or something. Oh, like, Third Eye Blind. Uh, Third Eye Blind or something like that. Or like this is the story of a girl. Like um, this is the story of a squirrel. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That was one of those. That was one of those songs that always showed up on Napster. That was like uh, tagged as Weird Al Yankovic, even though it wasn't Weird Al. It's just like every parody song was. They just pretended it was Weird Al. That's hilarious. Yeah. I love that. Uh, this is the Wallflowers. A hundred percent. Do you know that band at all? Okay, I know that they're a band. Okay. 
it's not even subtle in any way. It's like probably even more blatant than the Stevie Wonder song. He even okay. sings like Jacob Dylan. Uh, like the the one the way he sings a uh, plain little Jane sounds just like Jacob Dylan. And um, what about what about the way that he rhymes Jane with Thang? <laughs> Gonna risk everything. That's maybe Jacob Dylan would do that. But the interesting thing is that okay. they got Rami Jaffe to play the Hammond organ on this album and it's i would imagine it's on this song and maybe uh another few songs but rami jaffe is the organ player from the wallflowers oh yeah um eh, okay synopsis a woman gets a letter from a secret someone then tries to decide what to do about it will she take the bait in this transparent catfishing attempt spoiler alert (laughs) she does because she's a dumbass apparently (laughs) Yeah. And the singer sounds like he wants her to take the bait. So Right. This will be good for yeah. her. Yeah. It'll stand in stand inside the fire and burn alive. <laughs> She's gonna have anything interesting going on in her boring quotidian existence. Is this is this a thing like I feel like in this era of like pop punk and alt rock, I feel like there's a lot of ballads and odes to sort of to sort of uh, women by men that are like they're 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 women that they're that these men are like not dating and it has sort of like a weird like friend zone uh pat- patronizing like mm. kind of tone to it yeah um, actually the wallflowers have several of those songs yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you should say that yeah yeah um welcome to the game oh my God. what's in the name what an erud- erudite reference. Oh, What's in a name? Yeah. It's so Shakespearean. <laughs> Thespian. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, that line is really stupid. Welcome to the name. Or welcome to the game. What's in a name? Uh, dude, you're the one who's calling her plain Jane. So how about you tell me? Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, you ready to move on to the next one? I'm tired of this one. Yeah, am I doing this one? Yeah, your turn. Tell me about It Don't Matter to the Sun. Uh, Chris gets dumped again. (laughs) Well, maybe. But go ahead. Okay. Uh, and in a moment of reflection, he sort of juxtaposes the triviality of their relationship in the context of the cosmos, specifically the local cosmos, the solar system. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he juxtaposes that, th- that triviality with how impactful their breakup feels to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it don't matter to the sun if you go or if you stay, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then... Um, uh, because it ain't gonna stop the world, but it'll be the end of mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's basically the song, right? Yeah. Um, he's got the lines. Uh, because it don't matter to the sun. Oh, baby, it matters to me. Which is yeah. is not the worst lines ever. It's very much Garth. This sounds like another Garth song. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Uh, although in in its lyrics, yeah. Spot the imitation, Garth Brooks and El- Elton John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how funny is it that he's he's doing a pastiche of his country songs yeah. as his rock star persona yeah 
<laughs> not very. Not very funny. <laughs> I think Rami Jaffe might be playing the Hammond organ on this one too. Um, this is this song is supposedly okay. The fiction of this song um, is that it's supposedly a cover of an R and B song from the seventies that Gaines's father used to sing to his mom, and okay. Gaines recorded it while his dad was dying of cancer, and Garth, Garth just like. <sighs> The way he like interacts with the crowd and in an interview is just like really cute because he has this moment where he is like, yeah, and you know, Gaines recorded it when uh, his dad was dying of cancer, but he didn't record it for his dad. He recorded it for his mom. Uh, like, like he's blowing our minds or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's this whole thing in the in the documentary about like his dad really wanted him to be like an Olympic swimmer because both I think is both his dad and his mom were Olympic swimmers in yeah. Australia and he has this whole like uh, adversarial relationship yeah. with He's him way too chubby his dad won't to acknowledge <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm, too, I'm too chubby dad <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining him as like Bobby Hill as a kid uh-huh. <laughs> okay uh let's go on to the next one because i really want to, i have the most to say about this this one it's called right now it's a high school's maybe it's a teacher's tattoos pipe bombs underneath the pictures maybe it's the music maybe it's the crack maybe it's the bible or could it be the lack come on smile on everybody get and this oh no you get this song no i fair. do i'm so happy <laughs> Uh, this is the most bizarre song on the album by far. And what it is, it's a mashup. It's a mashup of a song called Get Together, which was written by Chet Powers and most famously recorded by the Youngbloods and also the Kingston Trio. And not only that, but a song by Cheryl Wheeler called If It Were Up To Me, which was written after... Not after Columbine, but from right after a different school shooting, the Jonesboro school shooting in 1998 in Arkansas. Huh. And the music is, uh, a lot of it's drawn from Cheryl Wheeler's song, including the guitar melodies and the verses. And that's where he gets the uh, sort of rapped, chanted verses. And right, he has these lyrics about the problems in the world, like maybe it's the movies, maybe it's the books, maybe it's the government and all the other crooks, maybe it's the drugs, maybe it's the parents, maybe it's the gangs or the colors that we're wearing. And that's about as well as he raps like I just did. Yeah. But after he has all these, <laughs> these, uh, these raps about the the ills of the world he breaks into the chorus of get together where it's come on yeah. people now smile on your brother everybody get together try to love one another right now blah 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 um yeah it's very jarring it's very jarring um yeah <laughs> and okay i beyond the, how weird it is to mash up those things uh <laughs> i don't I don't like this song because it's bad because it's bad. That's why next song <laughs> in a word, it is B A D. Okay. So Cheryl Wheeler's song ends or, or her rap part ends with, if it were up to me, I'd take away the guns. That's like the message of her yeah. song. 
And I don't think that'd play well with Garth's fans. Nope. Um, on Cheryl's website, I went on, or I went on there. Uh, it's still up. She has a little like, you know, blurb about it. And it's written in the third person for some reason. But Cheryl explained once that the song lists possible reasons why the kids were angry. Regardless of the reason for the anger, the reason the shootings happened was because the kids were able to get their hands on guns. Our society... Oh, man, that's so much better. Yeah. Our society has decided that adults should be allowed access to firearms. It then follows that adults should make sure that those firearms don't fall into the hands of kids. So yeah. she doesn't like come out, come out in support of. I mean, her her song makes it sound like she's saying take guns away from everyone, which is not what she says in her interview, apparently. But either way, she's in favor of more gun control. And in that light, Gaines's version seems just facile. It it fe- yeah. it feels like really hollow because he's not willing to take that kind of stand because it would be controversial probably, and. It it takes the pow- the song by Chet Powers, um, Get Together, which is, that song is, is about embracing love instead of fear, as we yeah. acknowledge our own mortality and our brief lives, which is, it, it's why the chorus has the line, right now. Come on, people now, smile on your brother, everybody get together, try to love one another and I, I don't know if I'd say it's a it's a great song, but Gaines just takes the chorus and he makes it like this simplistic band aid for all these political and societal problems. Um, yeah, the thing that it just it gets me all steamed up because people make fun of the hippies and they're like, oh, the hippies, uh, uh, peace, dude, and uh, they yeah. they think that like hippies are embracing these childish ideas of peace and love. But ironically, this hippie song from the 1960s is much more nuanced and clear eyed. Then Gaines's sort of bastardization of it, where he's just like, yeah, he's like, there's all these problems with the world. Uh, let's try to love one another, get together. Right. Uh, did you get to the part where Chris talks about this song in the VH1? No, I didn't. Thing? Okay, now that I, all right, now that I rant it all, like, t- tell me. So uh, he says, I just got sick in the news one night. I guess I just got tired of it. Oh. <laughs> That's one quote. Wow. And then and then later, the truth is love is the answer. As corny as that sounds, love is the answer. Oh, my God. And that's what he has God. to say about that. Wow. <laughs> so basically yeah, what then, I just said. And it's like a, a, bu- a bunch of other people just like sucking his dick about like how, <laughs> how progressive he's being for writing, <laughs> for making this mashup. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It's insufferable. Yeah. And it's just, it's weird. Um, here's here's a question, though. Maybe it's the KKK and the skinheads. Maybe it's the daughters, maybe it's the sons. <laughs> you know, big business, uh-huh. KKK, skinheads, unions. <laughs> these are all, these are all <laughs> issues. Um, this mostly reminds me of this uh, great, 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 great uh, Flight of the Concords song. Um, I know what you're going to say. I forget what it's called, uh, but at the end of it... Uh, <laughs> They they have this uh, Jermaine has this little riff um, that I just think about all the time every time I hear a song like this, which is we're talking about the issues but keeping it funky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what song I'm talking about? Is that about? not Inner City Pressure? That's it. Yeah. yeah. No, no, it's a or, different or, one. Or wait, is it the one with the um, uh, 
uh, what is wrong with the world today? That's the one. What is wrong with the world today? What's wrong with the world today? Never shows <laughs> yeah. That's his incomprehensible whisper. Yeah, yeah, I'm not uh, deliberately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my, I have. There's some really good lines in that song. Like, um, there's a man on the street. Some punk has chopped off his head. I'm the <laughs> only one who stops to see if he's dead. Oh, turns out he's dead. Anyway, that uh, yeah. that song is is way better and more interesting than this one. Yeah, it's a direct um, parody of songs like this. Just vapid talking about the yeah. issues, cashing in on uh, yeah. woke wokeness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I we've we've talked a lot about this song. We're going long. It's the most but, interesting one. Yeah, it it is for yeah. not great reasons because yeah. uh, <laughs> it's not interesting because of how good it is. Um, but I think the way that Wheeler's song sets it up, I think her lyrics make a lot more sense about like these are things that maybe these kids are angry about. Right. And so it makes a lot more sense to be like maybe it's the unions, big business. Maybe it's the KKK, the skinheads. Maybe it's the daughters. Maybe it's the sons. Um. Because ultimately what she's getting at is that it, it we don't know, and it kind of doesn't matter. Like, the, the real issue is that they were able to get their hands on guns. Right. But then Garth takes it, and he fucks it up, and then it's like he's listing things that he's mad about, but for but for some incomprehensible reason, he's using the word maybe. Yeah. And I don't it's know. Just, yeah. So noncommittal. It makes it a, like a word salad. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Ugh. Uh, okay. Maybe it's the future uh, ellipses. Maybe uh, it's the end. <laughs> maybe it's a trend. Maybe it's a future. Maybe it's the end. It's super weird. Yep. What a weird, okay. bad, dumb song. <laughs> <laughs> In summary. Okay. Tell me about Main Street. Uh, I don't even know how to. I don't know. This is this is probably the one that is the least interesting to me, um, and really, I, I have the hardest time. It's also in the you know it's a mid album slump. Like so, like yeah. I was like really drifting <laughs> on this one, but um, the synopsis is I don't know something about following your dreams or not following your dreams. I can't tell. I can't bring myself to care. <laughs> And it sounds like it's Oasis, the band, singing Wonderwall. Yeah. <laughs> Musically, it sounds like Oasis. Lyrically, I think it's very Bruce Springsteen uh. because I think the mainly the song is about just like how small towns can be kind of dead ends. And especially once they were hollowed out by industry moving away. Oh man, or, that's a lot more than I got out of this song. I think I just yeah. like kind of checked out. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I I think part of it is that the lyrics on AZ lyrics are wrong. So if you just read them, it sounds like they don't really make any sense uh, in the maybe chorus. That's what happened? Um, let's see, because in the in the chorus, AZ lyrics says that what he's singing is when it's over. Uh, they're talking about in in my dreams, I've seen things that only seem to happen on the silver screen. Right. And then the next three lines, AZ lyrics gets wrong. And they say, when it's over, there's no walking out because I've been all they talk about because what ain't going down on Main Street? 
which makes no sense at all, yeah. grammatically, syntactically, or in any other way. Uh, but with the actual things he is saying is, but when it's over, there's no walking out. Again, it's it's the things that happen on the silver screen. Right. When it's over, there's no walking out. Because out there, all they talk about is what ain't going down on Main Street. Right. I gotcha. So, yeah, they're talking about, like, nothing's happening in this town. Yeah, or they're talking about things that aren't happening in this town. Yeah. 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 Um, and then in one of the verses, AZ Lyrics says, uh, I went too early with a friend of mine just to see what it was all about. That's not. He says, I went to L.A. Oh, with a friend yeah, of mine. I, I did correct that. I was like, that's L.A. I can tell. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, that contrasts with the small town. Right. Uh, hit the freeway and it blew my mind. I had to find a way of getting out. And then there's the repeated uh, lines. Never did the things I thought I would. Would have left, just didn't know I could. If things don't work out like they should. I like this line. It ain't for better, but it's for good. Uh <laughs> that's a good line. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, why um, so it's, it's, why is Chris singing this? That's the question. This is a Garth Brooks song. Uh it really is. In, I mean it's, it's definitely in its lyrics. Yeah, it's it's from the perspective of someone who is not Chris because right. Chris is the one who did get out and well, he's from LA. Yeah. So it's about the perspective of someone who didn't go out to LA yeah. and try to follow their dreams. And he doesn't get dumped in this song. <laughs> Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. Um I I think it's one of the better songs uh lyrically. It does bring back some bad memories about the whole like Main Street versus Wall Street dichotomy that's been in the rhetoric of politics for the past 20 years or so. Right. Um but I don't think it's necessarily in the song. It's just I don't know. A little PTSD with that. Um <laughs> An interesting thing about this song, did you look at the writing credits? Uh, no, I have them right here. Uh, Take a no, look. I, I don't have them. It's in a book. A Reading Rainbow. LeVar Burton those credits to me real quick. <laughs> With um, your visor. I'll just tell you. <laughs> LeVar Burton has a writing credit. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Trisha Yearwood has a writing credit. Oh, Trish. I think it might be her first one on any of Garth's songs, or any of Gaines's or Garth's songs. Yeah, that's all I got for this one. Yeah. Anything else? No. Oh, wait, wait. Spot the imitation. Oh. Uh, well, didn't oh, I, I say guess you said Oasis. Oasis. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you get that too, independently? Uh, I couldn't quite place the music. I was thinking maybe a little John Cougar Mellencamp. There's a little bit of a Wallflowers vibe too. Um, but lyrically, it sounds a lot like Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, so, I can hear that. Anyway, uh, let's keep going. We have so many more songs. Um, <laughs> next one is called, I know it's, it's a slog. Yeah. Next one is called white flag. synopsis the singer doesn't want to keep fighting with his lover so he surrenders on the issues that they've been arguing about and he says damn these circumstance love is headed for a fall so before we lose it all oh baby sending up a white flag um and it's kind of an interesting song because he also pleads with his lover 
so so that uh, he or she also lays down the weapons, and he's hoping that being the first one to stop fighting, they can get past it. Um, right. And this is like another one of those songs where it's like, you know, it's not necessarily a super novel thing, but you don't usually hear a lot of songs written about this. And I kind of appreciate that. I don't know, man. What it sounds like to me is like, he's just like, Hey, I I don't want to fight anymore, but he doesn't give any indication that he's willing to like concede on anything in particular. He just wants to stop fighting. He like, he wants to disengage, Mm. stop hassling me all the time. Uh, and he seems to like implicate his partner really? that they're fighting at all. Like love won't have a chance if we, if all we do is fight about it is just fight about it. Mm. And, uh, I don't know. It sounds to me like just sort of masculine disengagement. Like what's the big deal? Stop nagging me. Like, Oh, so, so instead of like, let's work on and resolve this issue, just like, let's stop talking about it and bury it and just let it fester. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. I Oof, might be projecting. Might. I might be projecting a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, you might have a point. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. It's, I don't. It know. It seems like he's being self righteous. Like, oh, I'm I'm the one surrendering. I'm being the bigger man. Love won't have a chance if all we do is just fight about it. You know, just like. Well, he he does have the. I think it's a bridge where he says, "Place no blame. What's the use?" Lay these weapons down and call a truce. Can't we work it out? Can't we work it out? Because I love you, baby. Ain't no doubt. Isn't that what love's about? So I think that that shows some <laughs> impulse towards constructivity. Are you, are you serious? That was all bullshit. Well, <laughs> well, it's not as bad as what you were saying, though. It seems just as bad as it to me. Place no blame. What? No one did anything wrong is what he's saying. What's the use? Uh, addressing legitimate problems. Uh, ladies, well, la- blaming. <laughs> nah, you're making me mad. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're so harsh on it, and it's like, <sighs> okay. Well, I think what he's, what I hope he's trying to say is that right. playing the blame game is no use. Like, it's not. He he, he literally says, "Can't we work it out?" That's he what someone with a guilty conscience it. says. <laughs> Hey, let's stop playing the blame game here. <laughs> oh my God, you're so against him. You won't even give him a chance. I want you to to send up a white flag, Cameron. All right. Yeah. Games won't even have a chance if all we do is fight about it. You're right. We're both being stupid arguing about this. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll be the bigger man and send up a white white flag. Yeah, you're saying? Yeah, I'm I'm wrong. You're right. I mean, what even is wrong and right? <laughs> I surrender. We're both wrong if you think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Both sides are equally to blame. There's fine people on both sides. (sighs) Yeah, I mean, it it was kind of fun to to get all worked up about it and just (laughs) kind of fight about this white flag song, but it's it's not a great song and it's kind of boring. And it's fun to play act about how we're arguing about it, but I honestly don't feel... Much about this song, uh, Cameron. Spot the imitation. Uh oh. Well, he says, "I say black, you say white." That sounds like Killer Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I didn't take any notes about the arrangement, and I totally forgot about it. Yeah, it's not very memorable. It's I don't know. I said '80s butt rock, like Poison <laughs> or Scorpions or something. Oh my butt! 
<laughs> I got I got rocks as hard as a rock. <laughs> oh man, I got, <laughs> I got some stones in the middle of these diamonds in my butt. Uh, that's what the dance is about. I, <laughs> I don't know if you the remember. The okay, next song. I ain't saying she a gold digger, but uh, I am saying uh, she a gold uh, digger. <laughs> Digging for gold. Is the name of this song. It's a story song. It's about nose picking. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Digging for gold? Um, <laughs> so this is um, Chris talking about someone else uh, who gets dumped. It's about yep. not about me. It's about a friend. <laughs> Uh, it's about, asking for a friend. It's a it's a wealthy dude who is um, suspicious that his lover is a gold digger, and when Black Tuesday comes around and he loses all of his money or assets or whatever, I don't remember what Black Tuesday is. Stock market crash, housing crash. You didn't what look it, it up. <laughs> the most interesting thing about this song, Cameron, I think, is uh, well, there's some terrible lyrical mistakes on AZ lyrics. Uh, but it's one of the most story-based songs on the album, and it's set in 1929 because Black Tuesday was the stock market crash that precipitated the Great Depression. Oh, that Black Tuesday. Oh, shit. That, yeah, okay. unless it's another Black Tuesday. I don't know. All right. Is there another one? So she leaves him instantly, at confirming his his suspicions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I have some thoughts about the music, but that's basically the... All, what the story is, what the lyrics are about. Uh, I mm-hmm. did not catch the the dating of this. That's hilarious. Yeah, right. Is it? Is that all you got? Is that it? Uh, the music. Uh, spot the imitation. It sounds like Starcraft. It's it's like the music from Starcraft. <laughs> <laughs> what? What do you mean? I don't get it. Uh, That's just like my first association. It's, so it's got all these like kind of bluesy Western acoustic guitar hooks, um, but with really distinct vibes in different sections. I actually like the music of this pretty well. Um, there's this really neat switch to double time in the chorus. The verses are in like, and the hooks are in halftime, um, mm-hmm. but it's in the same tempo. Uh, and then at the mm-hmm. very end of the song, well, before the outro, they keep the double time drums while they do like the acoustic guitar hook. So they kind of like put both layers on at the same time. It's kind of cool. I think it's pretty well conceived musically. I think mm-hmm. the uh, transitions between the different sections are very distinct, but are but are not jarring <laughs> mm-hmm. like some uh, some different songs. Um, mm-hmm. His voice is so different in this song. So yeah, very different. I was reading some some reviews that people had about how it was kind of impressive how yeah. he was able to portray this character at different stages of his career. He changes his singing, doesn't he? Oh, isn't you, that what you're saying? Oh, I see. I sorry, you mean Chris Gaines? I thought you meant this like uh, <laughs> fucking Prohibition era. Like, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> like what are you talking about? Gainesville. Yeah, he sounds like a little boy, and uh, he sounds great. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like a very young man in this. Once again, Garth, yeah. good work. So good, good singer. Um, yeah. 
Uh, I played Spot the Influence, and I came up with 80s power pop, something like Boston, I guess. Like one of those bands. Really? It's not quite synthy enough to be like Journey or something. I think it just sounds like StarCraft. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably what it is. It's a StarCraft pastiche. Have you considered having StarCraft music in the background of all of our dialogue in this show? Oh, that actually... I hadn't, but now I shall. (laughs) (laughs) I remember those songs so Load her up. I'm about to drop the hammer. Uh, Sorry. I just spent a lot of time on that game. Oh, me too. Yeah. So much time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm done talking about this song. Next one is called Maybe. Maybe I could stay. On Monday, this guy thought his life was going well. And then Tuesday comes around, and he's not doing so hot anymore. And he says, maybe it's for the best. I could live alone, I guess. And I guess that means she left him. And he's left to wonder if he can stand on his own, or if he should hold out hope she'll come back. Right. And I kind of like that. Like, it's, I don't know. You you don't usually hear a lot of songs from this perspective. Um where you're kind of like pondering which mindset to adopt about this thing that has happened. He seems kind of non-committal. He's like, yeah, maybe I could make it on my own and get over her, uh, but maybe she'll come back. I don't know. He doesn't seem <laughs> he doesn't seem that like uh convicted about either option. <laughs> hmm. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. Maybe it's just the music. Yeah. Oh, speaking of the music, uh, tell me what you think the imitation is. The imitation I wrote down uh, Elliot Smith channeling the Beatles. Uh, Nick Drake. I heard some Nick Drake in here. Um, oh, I don't Shelley. know Nick Drake at all. You never just listened to Nick Drake? No. Interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe, I don't know. He's he's an interesting guy. I really like his music. I don't know if I like his lyrics or not because mm. he has a really pretty voice. And sometimes when people have really pretty voices, I don't listen to what they say. <laughs> um, it's why I like the mountain goats so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hands in your pockets and sun on your face. The warm love of God coursing through you all again. That's not, I'm not trying yeah. to drag him. I'm, I think he sings that way on purpose. Uh, yeah. Uh, his singing is super trebly in this. Um, so like just like the last song just like very very high pitch and very pure um and it mm-hmm. sounds great uh there's a very like kind of or- orchestral rock kind of tenacious d style like outro like, <laughs> like at the very end i doubt he's you know imitating tenacious d but it reminded me of that yeah. sort of but yeah that's all the stuff i heard what do you think yeah I, I was thinking, I heard sort of a a Beatles ballad, but like a 90s version. So I, I think that's pretty close to what you're thinking with like a Elliot Smith doing the Beatles. Yeah, it's like a 90s production with Beatles arrangements. Yeah, exactly. It even opens with the word yesterday. Yeah. So, um, ooh, I do like that he apologizes to his audience, to his listeners. He says, excuse me if I'm keeping you apart from better conversation. Hung up on all my doubt, trying to sort the whole thing out. Consider I mean, it. he literally apologizes for how indecisive he's being, Cameron, so yeah. I don't know why you didn't You're right. go with it. <laughs> Apology not accepted. 
I like the I like the music of this one pretty well. Of maybe. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it it's good. not bad because it's so Beatlesy. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Basically, felt the same way about the next one. I like the Chris Gaines <laughs> tried to sing one of our songs. I'm not doing this he again. Tried to, <laughs> <laughs> he tried to take some of our influence. Uh, my love tells me so. Jesus loves me, this I know, for my love tells me so. That would be a lot more accurate if people just sang that. Um, <laughs> uh, it's very new agey. Uh, who's supposed to talk about this song? Me it's you? you. It's, it's me? You. Okay. Yeah. Is this the last one? Oh, there's an odd number yes, of it is. songs on here. Yeah, thank God. Uh, generic love song about being um, consistently romantic and affectionate, I guess. Right? Isn't that what this is about? <laughs> Basically, yeah. Okay. You Some have... things can be good forever. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to cry but when not I Chris say Gaines. goodbye, goodbye. You'll know I'll be coming back real soon. <laughs> Me, Chris Gaines. Superstar. Yeah. Um, it's there's sort of like a weird lounge with like vibe to this with like a super processed brass in there. It's either yeah. super processed brass or I think they might even be horns. Yeah. Yeah. Midi. It's, Some intense... Don't like it. Uh, midi bass. Um, there's a lot of very Beatles-esque uh, chord progressions that are kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Some weird sound effects. Yeah. There's like a snapping rain noise in the very end during this uh, little little monologue. Give me a chance and I'll sing for you. I have a song for you. To be with you is a dream. I dream of you. <laughs> mm. That's the, yeah. those are words that are whispered. <laughs> <laughs> Great, so so good. Okay, uh, man, I am. Uh, we're. I'm ready to be pretty much done with this, but yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you that Gaines, uh, Chris Gaines. I, I couldn't really find any comments on song meanies. Hmm. Um, he is listed as country, um, oh. but the the Chris Gaines album is listed under Garth's name. Right. There's only one comment. Uh, it's on the song Drifting Away and Light Myself on Fire writes, this is a really great song. Garth Brooks' Chris Gaines is, Chris Gaines is great. Lol. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> yeah. You making a joke? I guess. I don't know. Okay. Um, and then... I'll tell you a little bit about the Amazon. Okay. When I looked at this two days ago in my first time researching it, I pulled it up. Uh, Chris Gaines' greatest hits was $30 to buy on CD. What? $30. Oh, my God. You can get the other Garth albums for like seven or eight. And I think it's because it's become something of a collector's item. Huh. <laughs> as weird as that is. Yeah. Um. <laughs> the top positive review by Glenda Askins writes, you'd like this CD. <laughs> she writes, you wouldn't even know that Garth Brooks did this CD as in the life of Chris Gaines. He looks different and sounds different. I love it. <laughs> I, I do. The thing I love is that Glenda apparently thinks that the name of this character is 
in the life of Chris Gaines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this character he's playing named in the life of Chris Gaines. He's such an interesting man. Yeah, and concept. <laughs> uh, and then uh, top critical review by a customer <laughs> gives it two stars. Can't and be says, that critical. Can we say... <laughs> He bought yeah, it. Two stars. Can we say midlife crisis? I think so. <laughs> oh, it's super long. I'm going to read it in the breathless uh, stream of consciousness style that I assume a customer wrote it in. Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> she sells seashells by the seashore. Toy boat, toy boat. <clears throat> Red leather, uh, yellow. Proper leather. pot of coffee from a proper copper coffee pot. Okay. I'm just. Just getting uh, okay. Ready for my performance. All right. The theater loves me. <clears throat> He'd lost his mind and took his friends with him. But even after Billy Joel and several other well-known stars had confessed to knowing Chris Gaines, I still couldn't force myself to buy it until I found it on sale for two dollars. Then I thought, <laughs> well, it would complete my Garth collection. Still, though, I at the time would have let the two dollars blow out the win- car window and onto the highway if I had n- known that the. <laughs> picture credits for that insert pictures are all someone other than garth and that there were only two and that's stretching it songs that i can really tolerate on the entire cd period i think that's the first sentence garth brooks has a bachelor's degree in advertising and boy does it show when he pulls this type of crap stick with what you know garth if you'd like a better garth recommendation buy anything else but his chris Gaines stuff during an interview, Garth spoke about having explained the theory behind this whole Chris Gaines is an accident. Now he looks like Garth Brooks. Even his own brother said, must have been a damn big accident. And I agree. The entire production of this album must have been a damn big accident. Uh, we're going to get this customer on the show. <laughs> I like their moxie. Yeah. I mean, that was written in October 2000. I don't disagree so with any of that. I don't disagree. <laughs> Yep. Well, Cameron, I think that's the end of Chris Gaines. Yeah. Uh, oh, Garf. Yeah, oh, th- Garf. Th- this wasn't as fun as I hoped. <laughs> yeah. Not, not the, this whole the idea show, just is this episode. So much more... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> to, con- having a conversation with you was not as fun as I thought it would be, Cameron. I'm retiring from podcasting. I'm quitting Our whole friendship is not as fun as I thought it would be. <laughs> Retiring from our <laughs> friendship, uh, yeah, for enough, yeah. for thirteen years at least. We'll do Thanksgiving uh, and then and then I'll retire. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll see each other in twenty thirty. Yeah. Okay, let's be done here. Let's get out of here. Okay, I'm Nathan Hunt signing off, saying I got stones in the diamonds in my butt. <laughs> uh, I'm Cameron Dewitt, and um. I'm drifting away. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Uh, I'm Cameron DeWitt and it blows. (laughs) (laughs) And nobody knows. Oh, I forgot to say about Tommy Levitt's, uh, Chris's, uh, fictional, uh, black best friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
is that in the in the VH1 behind the <laughs> behind the music uh uh Everyone kept referring to them as brothers. <laughs> oh, I did see a few instances of that in the the little I saw of the VH1. Yeah. I wa- I watched for like twenty minutes, and <laughs> just every time he was mentioned, they're like, "Yeah, we were like brothers. They were like brothers." And then there's a clip of Billy Joel saying, "They were kind of like brothers." <laughs> Does he say it with a question mark like that? <laughs> 